wonderful Leah and Maria for hosting us. They just give us their house. So it's a nice house. It is really a good place to, to do the Alpha Day. And we just in, we invited the Holy Spirit to come and to minister to people. And um, beautiful, peaceful, loving things always happen when the Holy Spirit comes and fills people's lives. So God's doing some good things. Um, I'm going to be talking on generosity today. So if we could just walk those back doors, that would be great. Um, it reminds me of the, um, the story of the $5 note and the $100 note. They hadn't seen each other in ages. And then they bumped into each other in a wallet. And uh, the $5 note said to his mate, the $100 note, what you been up to? The $100 note said, I've been having the time of my life. I've been going to fancy restaurants, casinos, resorts, you name it, I've been there. And then the $100 note said to the $5 note, what have you been up to? And the $5 note said, oh, same old thing, church, church, church. <laughs> oh, it's an oldie but a goodie. It's an oldie but a goodie. Alright, we are we're doing a series on what did Jesus teach? Uh, the idea behind the series being, if we're going to be disciples, we want to be discipled into what he taught about the coming kingdom of God and uh, what, he, what he brought to turn our lives upside down, right side up. Uh, I've been loving preparing these sermons, so to be honest, it's pretty confronting and challenging stuff when you get into the Sermon on the Mount. But it's amazing too, isn't it? Because Jesus came preaching to save our sins. We've said that, haven't we? He saved us, saved us from our sins on the cross, but he's also saving us from our sins when he teaches us how to live in the kingdom of heaven. So that's why today he continues to go after the inner motives and desires of our lives in order that we might be set free. So if you've got a Bible, turn with me to Matthew 6. We have done Matthew 5. We're into Matthew 6. And I'm just going to read verses 1, um, one to 4. Um, next week is on prayer. But this is really a series that Jesus does on generosity, prayer, and fasting. And sometimes people call this about, it's about hidden righteousness. Hidden righteousness would be chapter 6 of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus, picture him preaching to the crowds on the mountain. He says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. <clears throat> if you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So, when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honoured by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Amen. Well, this passage really offends my sensibilities. If I give, I want full credit. Uh, I want a brick with my name on it. I want a wing of the orphanage named in my honour. If I do a good deed, I really think it is in the public interest that I post about it on Facebook. You know, it would be wrong to not let the world know. Uh, if you help an old lady, stop, you've got to get the selfie, right? 
speakers, you want to encourage people with your goodness, and so they must know about your righteousness. Well, when I am generous, it is so hard, isn't it, to not let your left hand know and let your right hand know. So come on, Jesus, what is this all about? What is this all about? Stop putting the knife into Tim Giovanelli and his self-righteous displays. Well, what Jesus is taking us into is the deeper, deeper inner condition of our inner lives. Deeper into what it looks like to live as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven that is breaking into earth and transforming humanity. Jesus is explaining what it looks like if you become a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. This subversive, countercultural kingdom of God. So I want to talk about three things today. Firstly, this is about our relationship with our Father. Secondly, this is about generosity as a child of God being assumed. And then thirdly, this is Jesus warning us against our motives for giving and desires to be recognized. Does that sound good? Yeah. Let's get into it. Firstly, this is about our relationship with our Father in heaven. Have you noticed in the Sermon on the Mount how often Jesus refers to God as Father? Uh, Matthew 5.16, shine your light to glorify your Father in heaven. Matthew 5.45, we love our enemies that we may be called children of our Father in heaven. So much of chapter 6, which is on generosity, prayer and fasting, is about our Father seeing what is done in secret and rewarding us. And when we pray, Matthew 6, 9, as Jesus teaches us, it is to our Father who art in heaven. So put simply, as we come to know Jesus and what Jesus taught, there is no way to understand him except through his relationship that he had and felt with his Father. Sometimes Jesus uses the Greek word for Father, which is pata, and other times he uses his native Aramaic tongue, uh, and the more intimate word for Father, which is Abba. In Luke 2, when Jesus wanders off to the temple and says to his mother, Did you not know I had to be in my Father's house? We also regularly hear that Jesus slips away in the morning to pray and to just be with his Father. In John's Gospel, he says, I only do what I see my Father in heaven doing. And on the cross, of course, he will utter those words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus lives for, Jesus lives with, and Jesus lives in his Father. He knows God to be Abba, Daddy. Now, for some who have had difficult experiences of their own fathers, or maybe being a dad, uh, I'd acknowledge that this can be tricky. That can be tricky language. But Jesus wants to, if we will allow him, to reshape our ideas around God as Father. And even in time, my, my belief is he can redeem fatherhood for our families. And he can reshape what it means for us to be fathers and experience for us as parents. So if you need to understand how Jesus understood God as Father, of course we go where? Well, to me it would seem obvious we go to the prodigal son. The amazing story where Jesus is describing his mission on earth. 
He gives this parable to describe what God in heaven is like. And he describes him as like a father. He runs towards his wayward son and celebrates his homecoming. He says, this child of mine who is dead is now alive, who is lost, is now found. And he embraces the son. And Jesus is saying, this is what God is like. God is like a father who loves the prodigals and welcomes them home. Now, why is this all important? Well, firstly, Jesus wants us to be able to experience God as loving father. He wants us to live our lives centered around pleasing our heavenly father who knows and sees everything. And he says he will reward what we do in secret. So much of that Christian faith, a Christian journey, is about coming to be a child of God. And then as we know God as Heavenly Father, that that might transform our desires, our motives, our way of being, as we begin to take on the family likeness. And we too can experience the same intimacy with God as Father that Jesus did. Alright, secondly today, generosity as a child of God is assumed. Jesus does not say in Matthew 6, when you fast, or, 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 or if you pray, or, or if you give. But he said, he said, instead he says, when you give to the needy. To be a Christian and not to give to the work of the church and the needy would be like a cricketer who doesn't own a cricket bat. That didn't land an accountant who doesn't own a calculator. Maybe a social media influencer who's not on Instagram. Right? It is just assumed. If you are a child of God, a defining mark of your life will be generosity. Now why is that assumed by Jesus? Well remember that Jesus comes into a story of a family, Genesis 12, that is blessed by God in order that all the nations on earth might be blessed. He cannot understand his story apart from receiving blessings and giving blessing away. When he spent time in the temple being with his father, I assume part of that was reading the wisdom of the book of Proverbs. You know, uh, Proverbs in the Old Testament was the child-raising manual for the people of God. And it's not a bad one to read with your children as well. It'll warn them against get-rich scams and, 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 and people who would drag you into adultery and all kinds of great stuff. But Jesus would have known uh, the, the wisdom of the Proverbs. He would have assumed generosity because he would have been steeped in its story and its wisdom. Proverbs 3, 9 to 10. Honour the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. And then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. Proverbs 28, 27. Whoever gives to the poor will lack nothing. But those who close their eyes to poverty will be cursed. Proverbs eleven twenty four: Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. That's what Jesus grew up in. Let me read those again. They're so good. Proverbs 3, 9 to 10. Honour the Lord with your wealth, with the best part of everything you produce, 
And then you will fill your barns with grain, your vats will overflow with good wine. Proverbs 28, 27. Whoever gives to the poor will lack nothing, but those who close their eyes to poverty will be cursed. Proverbs eleven twenty four. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. Right? Jesus just assumes generosity. Because Jesus knows what is required of being one of the children of God. One of the things that we've got to be so aware of, and I'm speaking to myself here as well, right, is living in a place like the northern beaches of Sydney is that we always compare ourselves to people who are better off. We find ourselves with a little bit little spare money because we stretch ourselves so deeply into debt to the absolute breaking point. And the result is we become stingy. We never get around to being generous. And what a shame, because God is calling us to honour Him and the poor with our wealth. And let me assure you, if you live anywhere near here, renting, owning, living in a caravan, I don't care, you are among the wealthiest people in the world. So we need to cultivate generosity, don't we? And for, for this, for many, takes a move of God in our hearts. But it also sometimes just takes obedience to the Word of God. You've just got to start. But it does command a blessing. It does command a blessing. You know, I'm no prosperity teacher, but, but the Word of God says that God will look after those who look after the poor. Now, I'm mindful in light of today's passage not to talk about our generosity publicly. Right? That would be a bit of an own goal, wouldn't it, having just read that? <laughs> But I will say this, it took me too many years to start to really give generously to the local church and the poor. Um, but it's something that I've got to say as a family, we now love to do. So if you play cricket, it's assumed you own a bat. If you are a child of God, it is assumed that your heart has been turned outwards in generosity. Stingy Christian is an oxymoron, right? Those two words just can't go together. And one of the great signs that you are truly converted to Christ is you just begin to give, give, and give. So much of the Christian life is aligned with what Jesus teaches in Matthew 10.8. Jesus says, freely you have received, now freely give. Right? Out of gratitude. Out of the blessings of life and provision and our salvation, we just start to be a blessing. You know, we receive salvation, so we want to tell the world about the salvation we found. You know, God, you've saved me, so why would I not want to share that with the world? But in the same way, God, you have provided for me. And so out of gratitude and thankfulness, I will provide and give to others. Have you met people like that? People who just give, give, give? People converted to generosity. There's a U2 song called Magnificent where Bono sings, Only love can leave such a mark. And generosity is an expression of our love for God, for the world around us, for humanity. And generosity leaves a mark. I remember when I was at Bible college, we used to, um, on Thursday nights, we'd all go to the pub and some of the professors would come and the stuff that we'd been learning, we'd kind of really then nut out over a beer or two. 
And I remember one time, um, we don't know who it was still to this day, but a Christian overheard that we were Bible college students. And there was this long table of about 15 or 20 of us all eating and drinking. And we got to the end of the night, we went to pay the bill, and this person anonymously had just paid for everything for these Bible college students. Isn't that cool? That left the mark on me. And I want to be that kind of Jesus follower. You know? Uh, what about you? Will you start? And when you start with generosity, don't start next year. Don't start next month. Commit in your hearts to start today. Honour the Lord and His work and give generously to the poor. Alright, finally, Jesus warns us against our motives for giving and desires to be recognised. Just hear it again. He says, when you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honoured by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Well, it could, should come as no great surprise that Jesus warns us against practicing our righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. After all, he's deeply concerned with the inner condition of our lives. We've seen that already in the last few weeks, right? It's not just about external conformity to the law or, or putting on display that you've never murdered or you've never committed adultery. What Jesus is going after is our hearts and what's going on inside of our lives. And so beware, he says in this next section, of practicing your righteousness in front of others. That's what hypocrites do. And he says they have received their reward in full. And so deeper and deeper into our hearts, Jesus goes. Deeper into our motivations, deeper into our desires, to be seen publicly as one of the good guys. So what's Jesus doing here? Well, it appears that Jesus is saying that the coming kingdom of heaven that he is bringing on earth can be blocked in our lives by our desire to be approved of by others for being devout. Right? Hypocrites, he says, they give to the needy. And then they, 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 they with trumpets, they announce it at church. And on the streets, look at me, look at how generous that I am being. Jesus says, be on guard. On our righteousness, as A.B. Bruce, the Scottish 19th century theologian said, he said, show when you are tempted to hide, and hide when you are tempted to show. Isn't that good? So show when you're tempted to hide. Jesus, of course, in the very same sermon, calls us to be the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. So how do we, what's going on here? Clearly there are visible acts of righteousness that Jesus desires for us to exhibit before the world. Matthew 5.16, Jesus says, Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. But from what I can tell, this seems to relate more to our character, right? To acts of mercy and kindness, to our treatment of enemies, our desire to be peacemakers, 
but then we're told to hide when we are tempted to show. Parading our generosity with trumpets. Praying publicly, as you'll go on to say, with lots of flowery words and self-importance. Do you ever say a prayer and go, oh, I wish that had been recorded? (laughs) (laughs) I should put these into an anthology, you know. Or maybe fasting, where everyone will notice just how gaunt you're looking and how righteous you truly are. Show when you attempted to hide. Hide when you attempted to show. Hide when the motive is to display how good we are. And this seems to be not so much the privatisation of piety, but the purification of motive. Amen? For whose eyes do we give? For whose audience do we pray? For what purpose do we fast? And how liberating has this got to be? How liberating. Dying to the need for the approval from others. Isn't that just, I mean, that's just the Northern Beaches. The approval of others. There it is. That, that, that's, that, could, be, that could be the Northern Beaches slogan. Living for the approval of others. <laughs> Let your reward be from your Father in heaven. Your giving done in secret. The phrase Jesus uses, receive their reward in full, is a business term from ancient days. It means receiving full payment. The accountants will like that. Now I get applause and recognition from others. Jesus says, you've received full payment already. What room then is there for God's reward? You've got what you truly wanted. Now move along. But oh, to get this reward from your heavenly Father. And what is this reward? That's another sermon, I think. But surely, surely it's to enjoy the same relationship that Jesus had with his Father. Right? To be with him. This is my Son with whom I am well pleased. The reward is to be drawn alongside your Father in heaven to enjoy his presence, his delight, and his blessing. Well, let me finish with three questions I want to ask you. Challenging three questions. How much do you give away? Now, in light of today's sermon, we're not going to make that an open mic thing. (laughs) Secondly, what is the edge of your life that is involved with the poor? And thirdly, how can we safeguard against hypocrisy and the need for approval from others? How much do you give away? Average household income on the Northern Beach is $125,000. Some of you are going to earn a lot more than that. Some of you are going to earn a lot less. 10% 10% of that would be giving away 12500 a year. 20% of that would be giving away 25000 a year. 2%, and sadly that's the average of what people give, would be giving just 2400 away. Now I just encourage you, think through what you actually give, and are you being generous? Alright, secondly, what is the edge of your life that's involved with the poor and giving to the needy? That is, after all, what Jesus is talking about here in this passage. And I just simply say, every Christian should have an edge in their life that is involved with serving and giving to the poor. I won't say more than that, but again, if you're a Christian, that should be an interest that you have in your life. And thirdly, how can we safeguard against hypocrisy, the need for the approval from others? I simply suggest get to know your Heavenly Father as your dad.
the one who runs to the prodigal and embraces him, so that you might be so secure in your relationship with your heavenly Father, that you'd actually just die to the need for approval from others. And then just start to give, give, give for the audience of one. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. Thank you, Jesus.